Welcome to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Get ready for powerful and practical insight on how to let the supernatural power of God loose in your life. Join your host and anointed guests for a crash course of equipping to release God's mighty authority, healing, prophecy, leadership, spiritual warfare, and evangelism. And now, your host, international speaker, author, revivalist, and prophetic voice, Pastor Ren Shuffman. Hey guys, this is Pastor Ren Shuffin, and we got a prophetic alert update for you tonight. I believe that right now in this season, God has a word for you. And so we're going to jump into it. There's a word for you tonight. So I'm so excited that I have a guest on here with me tonight. That is my good friend. He's no stranger to my broadcast. Ryan Johnson is joining us tonight. Now, if you guys don't know about his ministry, uh, he this is a powerful man of God, and he also has a beautiful mane on him and the man knows how to roar. Now I'm going to bring him on here and he's going to he's going to share some prophetic insight, but I want you to understand unlike this lion, this this lion right here, the one that's going to be roaring, roars with a weird accent, okay? And so we're talking about uh, the prophetic movement right now that God is doing. And so we're stepping into a time of the lion and I believe that God is going to roar. And this man though is from Alabama. So I'm not sure if that means that he's going to have to change his roll tide to roar tide. I'm not really sure how that works. We'll ask him himself. Here is the man, Ryan Johnson. How you doing today? <laughs> man, I'm telling you, I don't know if I should be fixing my beard or if I'd be, you know, uh, talking about my mane and stuff and everything. I don't we know. got our manes on point because tonight <laughs> we're talking about lions. We're talking about what God is doing in this season. So we got to have the mane on point, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and definitely, man, this this accent is hard-earned. It's real. It's pure. It's as country as you get. Originally from Alabama, and I live in Tennessee. So go figure. I'm Southern as they are. are yeah, he's not Italian for some of you that got confused there. <laughs> No, that's for sure. No one, no one ever mixed that one up. That's <laughs> anyway. So for, for those that don't know, before we get into this prophetic word real quick, for those that don't know, you have, uh, uh, you have destiny image. You've published a couple books through them. Just give us the 32nd bio. Yeah. Uh, I've got three books that I've published and a couple of them are through destiny. I've got a podcast through destiny as well. The blacksmith chronicles podcast. We're an itinerant ministry. We travel. Um, we have blogs on our website, ryanjohnson.us. And, um, like I say, originally from Alabama, been married for over 25 years, got four children. Uh, they are the love of my life, my wife and children. And we're just doing everything we can to help equip and advance the kingdom of God. Amen. That was 37 seconds, but I'll let it slide. Close. All right. So, <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. And so if I seem like I'm in more of a rare form tonight, I'm super excited because we're about to talk about what God is doing in this season. We're talking about the lion roar season where God is beginning to release this lion roar. And I'm not, I'm not revealing it early. We're going to explain it to you uh, and why we both came on here to share this. But I'm excited because on Sunday, I released this prophetic word about we're in the season where God is about to roar. The lion of Judah is about to roar. And, and we actually took a minute to pray uh, and ask the Lord to open gates that have been shut to us and to roar and, and shake and loose gates like Paul in 
in the jail cell. And if, for many of you guys that don't know, I'll, I'll say this subtly, but here on a certain platform, I've been in, in, in jail for over a year now, for a year and a week, I've been in jail, been restricted. You can't see me. Uh, you can't, uh, you, there's so many people on here right now. You have not seen any of my, uh, my posts in over a year and we released this on Sunday and they unrestricted all my pages. I'm telling you right now that, that, that you don't understand. Like that, that I've spent a year over a year building this, this platform here and spending time with you. And then it was stripped away. And when the Lord showed me this roar that was coming, that it was so powerful that you could literally prophesy and decree and see things shift, that God was bringing the lion's roar to shake things. And here I am, you're seeing me for the first time, maybe in a year because God is doing it. This is not rhetoric. This is not just prophecy fluff for likes. This is really what heaven is doing in this season. So you want to pay attention because we're not just, I'm not just talking about me and what's happened with me. This is available for you. So I released that that word, uh, Ryan, and you messaged me and you said, man, I'm so encouraged by this word because you had a very similar word about the lion that was back in November. Uh, now, I want to I caveat that before I just release you on that. Um, when I release words, I am a Jew. I believe that God follows the Jewish calendar pretty well. I, I believe he has no problem with the Greco-Roman calendar. He has seasons. But I believe that in September, uh, this was a word that God was putting on my heart, but I wasn't yet ready to define it. But at, right at uh, Rosh Hashanah, right at the new year, I had done a conference that I headlined called Let the Lion Roar right at the turn of the new year. So I knew this was what God was doing, but I didn't understand the weight of it yet. And so I feel like now I have more of a revelation, which is why I'm choosing now to kind of release that season. But you had this in November as well without us communicating or seeing that. So tell me, tell me what's what's going on here. Yeah, it was interesting because I came across your word and um, in the natural, I've just always had this fascination with lions. That's been the thing that's always kind of spoke to me in certain ways. I love lions. My wife, it's an eagle. But for me, it's just always been a lion. And so I've, um, of course, I know the spiritual application. I've studied the word of God in that application, but I've also studied it in the natural realm. And some time ago, I actually had a vision. It was an open vision. I was not asleep. I was, matter of fact, I was in the middle of a conference. And um, what I saw is what I sent to you. And I said, because when I, when I saw that and wrote that down, jotted that down, you know, I did share it at the time. But then um, when your word, it just, it reignited, it reignited uh, that word that I previously had. And, and this is one of those things where I genuinely believe, even though the word that I released, you know, some time ago, it doesn't, doesn't mean that it came and it went to pass and it was, it was, it was sealed. This is a fruition of time that still has an application that's going to be in implementation for that process. And so that's the reason I was so encouraged when you, you shared that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this stirs me from this word. And so, this is what the vision was. Um, I saw an eagle wounded, and it could not take flight. The eagle walked on the land, yet with a limp. It appeared that the limp hindered its ability to rise up and soar again. And in the distance, I saw a lion cub walking towards the eagle, but this cub was small in stature and was pale in comparison to the size and the strength of the eagle. 
The lion cub began to release a noise, yet it was frail and weak. The lion cub was releasing a yelp rather than a roar. I heard the Lord say, O church, where is your roar? You have remained as a cub when I have called you to grow and roar. You have looked and searched for the sun to carry you through, yet unwilling to grow, mature, and take dominion of the land. You have succumbed to the one prowling around as a lion while failing to recognize that you are positioned and called from among the tribe of Judah. For the sword and the scepter has not left your hand. Sound the alarm. Release your roar. O church, where is your roar? The hour is now. Take your place. Take the steps. Release your roar. I am not done. I am not done. I am not done. Release your roar. Suddenly, the lion club transformed into a massive lion, Come on. which released a thundering roar. And the ground all around began to shake as the roar went forth. And the shaking began to give strength to the once limping eagle. And as the strength returned to the eagle, it began flapping its wings again. And the wind upon the land began to pick up as the eagle arose to soar. As the roar went forth, the wind carried the sound and gave breath to dead things. And that's the reason when you shared that, Ren, I messaged you and said, oh my gosh, this still speaks to me. Now, that's amazing what you just said. So so me and uh, Ryan just had a very brief text conversation. I didn't want to have a long-winded conversation ahead of time. I just wanted this to develop the the what God was saying right now. I am just almost in tears over the last part of your word there where you were talking about the wind because the same time I was doing that conference, okay, this is true and people have heard me say this, at the same time as the Let the Roar conference uh, happened, at the turn of the year, um, I was I was asleep and I had a dream, Ryan. And uh, I was with a team out in California. Uh oh, looks like we lost Ren there. Let's see if we can get him back. <laughs> we can get this dream, hopefully. Sorry about that. I there got I got booted for a half a second. So. Uh, so I went with a team uh, to New York, but the week before we were in LA and I was asleep. And when I woke up, one of my team members said to me, I woke up in the middle of the night and you were talking in your sleep. And at first I thought it was funny. And then I realized it was holy. I realized you were having a conversation with God and in the dream. And, and so he wrote it down for me. And he said, what I wrote down was you were, you were laying in the bed and you began to speak to the Lord. And the Lord said to you, he said, write it down on a scroll the wind is coming. And then he said, I just began to say, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so in the morning I had forgotten this dream, but he reminded me, I went to the Lord in prayer and I asked the Lord, what does this mean? What did, what did it mean? And he took me back into the dream that he had given me. And I was seated in the war room of heaven. I was standing there over the war table, the strategy table. So if you think of like medieval times, they would have a strategy table with a map and strat and pieces everywhere. And that's where I was in the war room of heaven. And God was showing me all the strategic pieces of what he was doing and the enemy was doing. And he said, 
the scroll came down and he said, write it down. A wind is coming. And I knew that the lion of Judah was on his way, that the roar was coming, that the wind of his roar was coming. And I knew God was sending something. So I'm, I'm aligning myself. First time I'm hearing the full word from you, I'm aligning myself to the word that God is doing something. Now, here's the thing. Right now, that's just hyperbole, but we're going to break it down. Uh, both Ryan and I share a love for lions. I am a Jew from the tribe of the Lion of Judah. So like, obviously we can tell where my love comes from, but I loved lions before that. And so one of the things we did is we both, re we've researched lions and we understand about lions. Let me tell you something about the lion's roar that maybe you don't understand. The lion's roar is at an average of 115 decibels. Okay, and so I want you to understand the power of 115 decibels. It That, when you are up close to that at 115 decibels, it's actually damaging to the human ear. So taking in the lion's roar will actually damage your hearing. And I believe the Lord, as he roars, is deafening the enemy to your movements in this season. He is blinding and deafening the enemy to be able to hear, see, uh, and come against you in this season, the roar of the lion. The other interesting thing about the lion's roar is that when a lion roars, it can be heard for five miles. It is the loudest and strongest roar of all of the big cats in the, in the animal kingdom. So it's the strongest. It can be heard for five miles. So it has a five mile circular radius of territory. But Ryan added some beautiful nuggets about the lion earlier when we were talking. Add yours. So in some research, uh, some years ago, I came across an interesting um, nugget. You know, <laughs> the only time I've ever seen lions is at a zoo. And most of the time when I see them at a zoo, they're asleep. Uh, so in the wild, a lion typically does not roar just because an enemy approaches its camp. It doesn't uh, roar to sound more aggressive in, the, in that manner. When lions move and they move into a new territory that they're not uh, been habitating in, they let out a roar to let the enemies of the lion know, I'm here. In other words, lions don't wait till an enemy approaches and they roar then to be intimidating. They roar to let the enemy know, I'm here. I'm here now and you need to know I'm here and I'm a threat to you. You're not a threat to me. That's in the natural element. But when you're talking about the decibels and stuff, one of the things that I came across and this was actually in the Smithsonian, so it was just kind of poof, you know, makes my, my head spin. It, if I were to yell as loud as I could, I let out a scream or uh, you did or another person did, you know, we're never going to get on the same decibel as the roar of a lion. We're, it's, it's not even going to be remarkably close. But our voice, our sound has the ability to get on the same frequency as the roar of a lion. Oof. In other words, when that lion roars, even though we don't hear it in the decibels, we can get on the exact same frequency if we roar or we shout in this. So the, the thing about this is that's natural. What does that mean in the spirit realm? When you yell, when you shout, let out a roar, especially in a prayer language, what is that doing in a spirit realm to every demonic spirit that's led in, you know, they're being put at a tentative. Wait a minute. That's not just their voice. That's the voice of the lion in them. Oof. 
That is so good. So on Sunday, we actually turned and we faced north and we uh, several of the people in my house, they had a prophetic word to do this and to tear down the gates. And so we released this roar. We yelled, we, we shouted, we, we did a prophetic act. You know, we physically acted out a prophetic act uh, and shouted and, and told these gates to come down. And one of the things I said was the, the gates that have been held up against you must fall. And so we shouted and and believe that there is a shaking that's happening. And so I believe uh, a part of the words that we've seen earlier in seasons that are still happening now, the shaking that happens when, it, when a lion roars, it's so piercing, like we talked about it, that it actually causes the shaking. So it, it actually pierces you. Uh, and, and I can imagine if you were next to a lion when he roars, your body would shake and tremble from the power it exudes. Uh, and so I believe that the Lord is shaking loose things for you and he's shaking loose the bars that have been barred up against you, that have held you in spiritual prison from walking in the fullness of your destiny right now. Now, I, one, of, one of the things that drives me nuts is fortune cookie prophecy, okay? It drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, this is your year for breakthrough. You're about to get checks in the mail. Not everyone's getting checks in the mail. So don't let me make this into a fortune cookie prophecy. I want to let you know the season that's available to you. There is an elevated heightened season where God is beginning to restore your ability to take possession of your promises, but make no mark about it. You don't just get to sit home on the lazy boy and claim this word. That's not how that works. I would be a false prophet and a fortune. I'm not a prophet, but it would be a false prophecy uh, and a fortune cookie prophecy just for likes and views. And I'm not about that. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that the Lord took me into and I released on Sunday was that I believe we are in a Nehemiah season. And since then, Chuck Pierce has talked about it. Uh, since the release of the Lion Word just this last week, uh, Troy Brewer actually released the Lion's Roar at a conference he just did Monday, Tuesday, one of those days. Cindy Jacobs just went on uh, and talked about that she believes we're in a season of a roar. So there's been all these confirmation that now is the time and season of this. But I want you to understand what the roar is. So I believe we're in a Nehemiah season. And if you, if you look at Nehemiah chapter three, First, starting with chapter two, you see Nehemiah go and inspect the walls. And it says he inspects the different gates, the dung gate, the valley gate, the fountain gate, the king's pool gate. These are the gates that he inspects but at night. But then when he actually goes to build the gates, those are not the, uh, the gates he actually builds. They're not the ones he starts with. If you read in chapter three, it actually says the very first gate, even though he inspected other ones, the very first gate that they begin to work on is the sheep's gate. Now, what's interesting about that is that the very first people that begin to rebuild the gate are the priests. We see the priests begin to rebuild the gate first. They become the first construction workers in what God is doing. And so it begins with the priest raising up the sheep. So this season of releasing the roar has to do with the sheep, the children of God, the church, beginning to be equipped and trained how to release what's inside of them, how to be able to move in, in God's battle strategy, how to release the wind of God, the roar of God, and begin to move in that. Once the sheep are raised up, we're seeing revival now. We're seeing a great outpouring. But part of the sign of this outpouring is not just salvation, but it's going to be sheep being grown up. They're being matured up. And so once we see the sheep, we see the second gate. And, and the Lord had told me, go to Nehemiah. I have something for you there. And this is where I got this. And then the sheep gate. Following that immediately, we see the fish gate. 
And so as the sheep are, are brought in, raised up and sent out, we're beginning, we're going to begin to see the harvest come in. The, sh- the fish represent the harvest, right? Uh, what did Jesus say to, to Peter, right? He said, I will make you a fisher of men. And so this is the harvest. This is the, the harvest of men's souls coming in. So the sheep are going to go get this harvest. And when we see this begin to happen, the next gate that's built up is the broad gate. And the broad gate, basically what's going to happen, that what was a narrow before, what was difficult before, we're going to see a broad move of God, not a very narrow move of God. We're not seeing a Toronto outpouring or Jesus people movement in California or a Brownsville revival. We're we're not just seeing one nation lit on fire. We're going to see a broad move of God, a broad harvest, a broad raising up of sheep. And we're able to walk in that because the lion of Judah, Jesus is roaring on our behalf and unlocking these things that are available to us what say you sir well one of the things i genuinely believe is sound precedes the manifestation of the revelation so if we can first hear in the spirit realm there's something that we travail for in the manifestation that produces a revelation so this is why it's important to understand what the kingdom of heaven is releasing and to know what it is that is in your roar now i know somebody said something about jericho's wall and that's a great example of that because you have an alignment coming together and they, they, they march around for days in silence, but they get their rhythm down in their step until the moment there's the release of that sound and those walls are able to come down. I want to say why it's so important and what Ren is, is, is sharing here and why it's so important for you not to sit on that couch, not to sit in that recliner and wait for God to do something, but you're going to have to activate this, especially the applications of Nehemiah in that scripture there. One of the things we sing a song and one of the lines is it's your voice. It's your breath in my lungs, which I praise you, Lord. And, and that's, it's a great lyric, but it's really a powerful truth. And here's what I mean by this in the days of the wilderness in the days of Moses, they built the tabernacle, right? And only God came down one time a year on the day of atonement. The Bible gives us a description that when God came down, the high priest was the only one that would go into the presence of God. Everybody else remained on the outside. Everybody else remained in the outer court or even further among that process. Now, the Bible gives us a little bit of understanding. Josephus gives us some understanding and some other Jewish historians give us understanding that when God would come down into the Holy of Holies, the outer garments of the animal skin and the Holy of Holies would go in and out like a set of lungs. And it's why the, we get the understanding that the Holy of Holies is also called the breath of holies. And in the day of the wilderness, they would know that God was there by two things. One, that Holy of Holies was going in and out like a set of lungs. In other words, inhaling, exhaling. But then there would be a sound that they would hear on the outer courts of the tabernacle. And the, and the historians, and even the Bible gives us a glimpse of this, that it would sound like a man breathing. Like he was taking breaths, like a wow. So this is what they hear, and they know that God is there. Now, I want you to fast forward, and let's go all the way to the upper room, Acts chapter 2. What happens? There came a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That word is actually breath. There came a sound of breath. Well, what happened in the upper room? Well, we became the temple. We became the tabernacle. Where does God rule and reign in us now? In us. He's in a temple, not made with hands. 
So I want you to understand why this is so important. Because when you when I speak, yes, you hear Southern words. Yes, you hear the Southern accent. When Ren speaks, you can catch that he's got a Jewish heritage to him. You'll hear that. But the truth is, when we speak into the atmosphere, and it's our voice and our dialect that you hear in the spirit realm, because we're sons of God, the demonic recognizes that it's the breath of God that is in us because of Christ, because Christ is our Savior, and He is within us. The Father is in us, that when we release a sound, we release a breath, we release a roar, we release a shout, the demonic realm hears and recognizes, wait a minute, that's the same thing that I heard in the wilderness in the days of Moses. I can't come against that. I can't battle that. I can't overcome that. We hear one thing in the natural, but in the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, they hear the sound of the father, or let me say it this way. They hear the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on. It is the season to hear the roar. This is a word that is a now word that you need to share. You know, and, and I vetted this word with some of uh, my most prophetic friends. I, I talked to uh, Chris Reed, who's taken over Morningstar from Rick Joyner uh, just the other day. And he says, hey, I caught your word and I agree with you completely. So this is, this is now vetted in the body of Christ. It's not just me and Ryan uh, on here just talking. Okay, this is being vetted in the body of Christ and it's happening right now. And so you guys are stepping into the authority that God has said. You know, the Bible says this, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. These are all symbolisms of that roar, of releasing that. You know, there is something powerful. You are made in the image of God and our God created everything in this universe by his spoken word. I want you to catch this. It, whatever you are made of, you have to feed from. You have to eat off of whatever you're made from. Whatever you are made from sustains you. That's how it works. And whatever something is made from is also what repairs it. If I want to fix a porcelain glass that has a chip, I should probably add some porcelain. If it's a clay glass, if it's clay, I need to add more clay to it. If it's wood, I should put wood filler wood to repair it. I need to repair it with what it's made out of. That's how it works. You add that to it. Yet so many times what we don't realize is what's broken in our lives. Everything around you is made out of the spoken word of God. This, You see this, this microphone, you say, what's it made out of? Well, metal and some, some electronic parts. No. It's made out of the spoken word of God. If you get down to the very smallest lepton, the very smallest particle of Adam in there, what you'll find is the voice of God resonating. And so it's fitting that in this season, God is beginning to release his roar and release it through us that we need to recognize that we have an opportunity to release that. If your life is broken, if your body is broken, then there is something powerful about the words that come out of your mouth when you are in faith, fine tuning that to be like your father who you were created to be, who speaks and it becomes. It is the DNA of our world. It's the ingredient of our world. Of course you can use it to repair what's around you. So when your life is broken, declare it, decree it, speak it. And we're beginning to see that mighty wind of God run through and rush through our civilization. So I believe very strongly that you're going to see a lot of shaking happening, a lot of uh, uh, shifting happening as this lion roar happens. Because like you said before, Ryan, uh, they announce, you know, the, the lion is not on defense. 
The lion does not roar as a defensive measure. He, he roars as an offensive measure. And for too long, the body of Christ has been in a defensive posture. And when I read what Jesus said, we, we think Jesus as, as the pacifist. But when I read Jesus, he says this. He says, Peter, upon this revelation, wh whether you think he's talking about Peter, the rock, or the revelation, I'm okay with either theology. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. But he says, upon this rock shall I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't, I don't know about you, Ryan, but the last time I checked, gates don't march in battle and attack you. <laughs> They're defensive weapons. So I want you to catch that. Jesus said, as you move forward, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. That means that the children of God are called to be on offense, not on defense. And so when we roar, when the line of Judah shows up, he does not roar to be defensive. He's not trying to defend you. He's trying to march you into battle and to take your promise. Every promise that was ever given to the children of Israel came in an offensive posture. They marched into battle. They mar Maybe almost all of them, all of them I can think of, were in an offensive posture. And they marched in on Jericho. They marched to meet the armies. David marched against Goliath. Like he moved against him. And so the, the offensive posture is where uh, you can allow the lion to roar, where you can allow Jesus to roar on your behalf and see the breakthrough and the victory. Yeah, we, you know, what does the Bible say? There is the power of death and life in what? The tongue. James talks about how difficult it is to tame the tongue. Um, and I, I think a lot of times we just don't recognize the power and the authority that we have with the spoken word. You know, Jesus <clears throat> comes on the scene and, 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 and he tells the disciples, pray to the mountain that it'll be moved. No, that's not what he says. Think about the mountain and it'll be moved. That's not what he says. What does he say? Speak to the mountain and it shall be moved to be cast into the sea. And I know when, when we hear that, we all go, okay, we're taking this a little too far. We're kind of stressing this. What I want you to understand, I'm not saying that we in and of ourselves are God. I'm not even remotely getting close to that. What I'm saying is God in us, Christ in us. When we speak, we speak life. But often we choose death. And so we're like that little cub, that lion cub, where we feel like we have a roar, but it's really a yelp. It's not bringing the force and the authority. And I love what you're saying, Ren, that it is offensive. And the children of Israel, the two things that they had to do in their, their number one, they did have to be offensive. They couldn't be on the defensive side of things. The other thing is, is they made sure that they had the presence of God with them. In, in the Old Testament, when they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant, they were defeated. And I promise everyone that is listening and watching in this, when you don't have the presence of God within you, before you, behind you, beside you in every aspect, you will be defeated. But when the presence of God is with you, the things in which you decree and you declare, there is power in the things that we say. Sometimes we just don't recognize it because we feel like we're devalued, but this is what I love about the word of God. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says the scepter would never leave its hand. In other words, he never lost his position of authority. Well, you're a true Jew. You were born a, a, into a Jewish family. I'm an adopted Jew. I was grafted in through Christ. But because I was grafted in, 
I'm grafted in in Judah. Well, if that authority lies in Judah, that authority aligns within me. But I know an American culture says that's not even possible. Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul said that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I on a daily basis. And not only is he seated in that heavenly place, we too are in that place. We're here, but we're there. Our authority puts us in our place, our seat puts us in that place of authority. And it's why it's so important to listen to what Ren is saying about releasing that roar and releasing that sound. Know what you're doing, know what you're saying, and let's advance the kingdom. Come on. So practically, so we have this word, God is going to roar. The Lion of Judah is roaring. We know we're in the pay decade if we follow all this stuff. We've been talking about that for a while, the pay decade, P-E-Y. Uh, it's the, the decade of the mouth right? So we know this all fits with what God is doing. Um, and, and we've heard that for a minute, but what do we do? What's the practical application of how somebody takes this moment that God is doing? This is the moment where God says to Moses, raise your hands, you win the battle. So if we were in a raise the hands moment, we would begin to start to walk in that, but we're in a release it from your mouth moment, uh, and see it happen. So what do we do practically? I'm going to get real practical on Come this. On. Turn the news off. Come uh, on. <laughs> that's step one. You know, Smith Wigglesworth never allowed a newspaper to come into his house. Never allowed a newspaper to come into his house. Well, Smith Wigglesworth never allowed a newspaper to come into his house. That ought to give me some kind of attention that... I don't need to put all my focus on the news. Now, I know there's those that are going to be screaming and saying, we got to know what's going on. I'm not discrediting that. But when the news takes priority over your worship, over your prayer, and over the study of the word, you're out of alignment in the kingdom of God. Amen. So the biggest practical thing is turn the news off. The second thing I want to tell everybody, know what it is that you're saying. And what I mean by that is, I want to go back all the way back to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by three enemies. And Jehoshaphat, he calls for a fast, he calls for prayer, he calls for worship, but he goes to God, <clears throat> and it's not that Jehovah, Jehoshaphat specifically did this. It's as if he kind of pointed his finger to God. We don't get the scripture that says he pointed his finger. But what he does is, he starts reminding God of what God knows he already said. He tells God, you said that we would not be defeated. You said that we would not be overcome. You said that we would not die. Now look at all these. What are you going to do about it? In other words, he knew what God actually said. We're in a culture right now that the majority of the church, not all the church, but I'm saying a good majority, unfortunately know the good side of what we believe is to be God. It sounds good. It feels good. It looks good. Therefore, it must be God. You got to know what the Bible actually says. If you're going to be able to remind God of what he says, you got to know what he said. God is good, but what is happening in, a, in, in, and I'm not totally against social media because it's a tool that we can use, but because of social media, we love and like and share and retweet things that sound good, believing that it is God because it's good. The problem is we have made good God rather than understanding how God is good. And in this application, if you don't know 
what God is actually saying, how are you going to remind him? You can't just simply throw stuff out there just because you know he is good. You got to know why he is good. Come on, that's so good. And for some, he's exactly right. Stop getting obsessed over the headlines and digging in because what ends up happening is you start to feed negativity in your life. You start to feed that reality instead of the reality that God has called you to. God has called you to speak to mountains, not stare at them and get frustrated how tall they are. You, we need to start speaking to them. And one of the ways that you do that is one of the things that you have to do to overcome and speak into your future right now is begin to take every word that comes out of your mouth carefully, strategically. What you say needs to be strategic. Stop speaking over yourself what you don't want to be. Stop declaring negative things over yourself. Well, I'm just always, or this just always happens to me, or I'm always the last one. Or if I didn't have any uh, uh, bad luck, I wouldn't have, like stop saying those things over yourself because you're programming yourself to have faith in those words, let alone the power of the roar. You're programming your mind to believe those things and to act on them. So psychologically, physiologically, you're actually training yourself to respond to those things. And let alone the supernatural side of things where you are releasing the power and authority that you have. We need to start speaking life out and do it strategically and purposely. I know it's cliche to stand up in the mirror and say, uh, Dosh got it. People like me, right? Uh, but it is okay to start decreeing and declaring. We need to start learning how to do, how to decree, how to speak life, how to, how to declare life. Stop saying, well, I just wish my family would stop being so and saying what they are and start decreeing what they are. My family is blessed. My family is the head, not the tail. And look, I'm not telling you like we, me and uh, Ryan don't come from a place of knowing what struggle is or knowing what frustration is, or even knowing what bad reports are. Both Ryan and I have uh, children at home who are contending for medical miracles. Both of us, both of us have received bad diagnoses from the doctors that are, this is the rest of their life, learn how to mitigate and manage it. And both of us are contending for that miracle, but we don't speak out that that diagnosis is their identity. We don't speak out that their that diagnosis is their future. We believe their future is that their story ends with a miracle and a testimony. And so we declare they're whole and healed and we're going to see it. And both Ryan and I walk in a healing anointing. We walk in prophetic anointings where we see people healed regularly and we're still believing, contending and praying for our own family in those situations. And so, but the words of our mouth, the confession of our mouth does not change while we're waiting on the manifestation of the confession. That's what we have to do. And so my encouragement to you is if, if, if you're waiting on your miracle, do not change your, your confession because the lion is roaring and you want to make sure you're in sync with that wind coming out of his mouth, that fire coming out of his mouth, lest you be a resistant wind trying to push back against the lion. You don't want to find yourself in that position. <laughs> Ren, a year ago today, one year ago today at this time, I was co- recovering from emergency surgery where I nearly died three different times from January 18th to January 20th, went in the hospital with no complications. Previous to that day, go in the hospital. This is all in my history and stuff and had to have surgery. One year ago today, a health attack tried to take me out. 
and it is true. We're, we're contending for um, your son, my son. Um, th there's, there's these things that we can't always explain, but it, and it's really not, I, I don't ever want anybody to think, Oh, it's just the, you know, positive thinking. I, I don't think you can ever achieve positive thinking. It's the confession of faith is what it is. Yeah. You know, in the deep South, I used to hear people get up and testify and they would say, and they still say it to a degree. I'm just a worthless, nobody saved by grace. Well, that mentality, those words become your identity. I'm just a worthless nobody. But see, really, the Bible actually says, number one, as a son of God, uh, you're, you're a son, you're a daughter of God. Number two, you're an ambassador. And 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 um, it, it, in this application, I, I just have to stop because I, I want... Hmm. I want everyone to just for a moment, sorry, I'm just getting a check in my spirit because that identity of worthlessness has really just, it's really become a lot of people's identity. And I really don't know who you are, but I want you to hear me clearly when I say this. You're a son, you're an ambassador, and you're an heir. Not only that, the Bible says that you're a saint. Now, don't think Catholicism saint, but you're really a saint in your identity. But if you look at the New Testament, the Bible says that you are worthy. Your identity is worthy. You're not worthless. You are worthy. You And I'm, I'm stopping just for a moment. My eyes are closed because I'm just seeing, um, I'm seeing a young woman that she's weeping a lot because the words that's been spoken over her over her life is that she's just worthless and she's she's gravitated towards that identity but you need to hear me clearly you need to hear my heart that God views you because you're a daughter of God because you're a daughter of God he views you as worthy and so I break the false identity and the curse of worthlessness you are not worthless. I break the identity in the name of Jesus and by the power and authority that he's given unto me as a son of God. I command those filthy garments of worthlessness to be broken off of your identity now in the name of Jesus. And I decree and declare that you wear the garments that identify you as worthy. I break that generational curse over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Sorry, Ren. I just. Oof, you don't have to apologize. Come on. It just, man, I can. Amen. Mm. Amen. Well, I believe this word is for you. And if uh, that touched you either while you were watching the live or listening on DNA of a Dangerous Church on recording through Charisma podcast, I want you to send us a message and let us know how that impacted you. I know that when me and Ryan are together, not only are we prophetic, but we see a lot of healing happening together. And I want to take a few minutes just to pray for some people now that we've released this word since we are here live. If you're not joining us live, make sure you join us on the live broadcasts. But I do want to take a couple minutes to do that before we do anything else. Uh, I do want to give Ryan a chance to 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 give some information on how to follow him. So Ryan, how can they follow you? 
the easiest thing to do is go to the website. It's ryanjohnson.us, ryanjohnson.us. You can get all of our social media links there. You can find our podcast, our books, our online store, our blogs, everything that we've written, done, and connect with us through there. Thank you for listening to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Be sure to subscribe to the show on charismapodcastnetwork.com or iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow Pastor Ren Shuffman on social media and join our mailing list for exclusive bonus training content at www.ffc.church/dangerous. slash